Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Producer Adams joining me on today's program as him and I sit down to discuss the 1984 comedy classic Ghostbusters. That's right, we decided to call on the Ghostbusters for part four of our spooky season month of horror and spooky themed movies here on the Couch Potato Podcast. Him and I are going to give you our takes on some of the best scenes, lines, supporting performances, and give you some tidbits about the behind-the-scenes making of this classic. So, after the trailer, the Couch Rotato Podcast presents to you Ghostbusters. Ghosts, they're real, they're here, and someone's got to stop them. It's a job for professionals. It's a job for the Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They're the best, the brave, the only. Ghostbusters, coming to save the world this summer. We're ready to believe you. Who you gonna call? Rated PG. All right, joined by producer Adam, and if you don't know what movie we are doing by now, then I don't know what the fuck to tell you, but uh, <laughs> we are doing as round four in the spooky month of horror movies that we're doing here on the show. We're uh, doing Ghostbusters, which was producer Adam's pick, and uh, before we get yes. into it, uh, if you want to know what the fuck this movie is about... Uh, basically, brief synopsis, three Columbia University scientists who specialize in the paranormal start a business investigating paranormal activity after they are fired by the university. So that pretty much sums up Ghostbusters. Adam, why did you choose this one for uh, Spooky Season Month here on the show? Well, uh, when... Whenever anybody uh, thinks of spooky season movies, they always think of their favorite horror movies. Um, this one, though, uh, is kind of in between horror and comedy, and I thought that it would be cool to switch it up with that kind of feel. But uh, not only that, it's probably um, one of my favorite movies to revisit during Halloween just because of the the creepy factor, just the the ambiance of the movie. Um, plus, uh, when I was a kid, anyways, uh, everybody wanted to go uh, trick-or-treating as a Ghostbuster. So, I mean, still, it's just super still, fitting. Still a popular costume. Yeah, I see. Uh, very popular. I still see them pop up from time to time. Uh, being a, uh, my wife and I have uh, two kids, that's uh, kind of how I wanted our kids at least do Ghostbusters one time for Halloween, but they... My son likes Ghostbusters. Mm. Uh, I showed him the movie during the, the pandemic when I was going through, uh, kind of like the movies I grew up as a kid, uh, mm. trying to get him to watch. Like I introduced him to Back to the Future, which he thought was okay. Uh, I fell asleep during Raiders of the Lost Ark, which almost got him disowned. Uh, but this one he actually Man. seemed to really like. So uh, when was the, uh, he was a 10 during that time. When was the first time you were introduced to this movie? Oh man, uh, I was probably his age or younger, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it 
I think it was on VHS and not just any VHS. Uh, one of those um, uh, recordable VHS is that you would uh, copy the movies from Blockbuster with. <laughs> oh, you're one of them people too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I never so, did it. I think that's when I was introduced. <laughs> I never did it. A friend of mine, uh, Jeff, who I've mentioned uh, here on the show uh, many, many times, uh, that's pretty much all his uh, mom did. She would go rent movies, and they would basically watch them for the sole purpose to record them. Yeah. So you could borrow pretty much any movie imaginable from his collection. It was really just a matter of whether they could find it or not. <laughs> yeah, he probably had a whole blockbuster library. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, when you lived in my uh, neck of the woods, we weren't really blockbuster people. There was a couple of local mom and pop chains uh, closer to yeah. our neighborhood, so we always visited them. It's not until after they shut down with that we visited the uh, the big blue evil empire known as Blockbuster. Yeah, that's that's true. I I usually uh, uh, was at the mom and pop places, uh, but after Hollywood Video came to town, um, I know that uh, at least my I think it was my dad or my mom uh, decided to start going there because they offered a huge discount if you cut up your Blockbuster card in front of them. Yep, that's why I started going there too. And plus they seemed to like, <laughs> at least the one that I went to a lot, they didn't really give a shit if you never brought the movies back. <laughs> Maybe that's that why they ended up going out of business, but they didn't really seem to care. But man, if you did not bring a video game back... In a timely matter, they were fucking harassing the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. Video games are expensive. Yeah. Um, I know uh, for me, like, first time I watched this movie was, jeez. Um, I think I was maybe six or seven. My, uh, I Like I explained last week, uh, friends of mine uh, used to invite me and my mom and my brother over to watch movies a lot as a kid. And that's... Uh, mm-hmm. One of the ones that they introduced us to, because I had never seen it. I had heard of Ghostbusters, and I actually think, no, I seen Ghostbusters two before one, because I know there was a couple movies where I seen the second, uh, the sequels before I seen the original. But no, I think I seen Ghostbusters right shortly before the the sequel came out. Which uh, thoughts on that uh, that sequel? Good, bad? Thoughts on the sequel? Um... Are you talking about the uh, the 2016 sequel? No, I I consider that kind of a reboot. Okay. You uh the the 1989 one. 1980. I I I liked it. It wasn't as good as the first one, and I think a lot of people um uh, kind of were on that train, but um I think it was because it really laid into the campy uh. Uh, the campiness of the ghosts, especially that whole courtroom scene, man, that was, that was super campy and cheesy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really liked the premise. It was uh, different than the first one, which a lot of sequels can't do. A lot of sequels nowadays, they'll try and recapture what made the first one great. Uh, This one tried to go in a different direction. And I think that was, uh, that was a good move. Mm -hmm. I was uh, during the research for the, the original, I had seen uh, Bill Murray was uh, quite pissed off at Columbia Pictures because he felt that this, like the, the eventual shooting script for Ghostbusters 2, isn't what he signed up for. 
Yeah. And he was kind of ticked off by that. Yeah, I could see that. He's, he seems like kind of a prima donna when it comes to movies, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, he seems to be a bit cantankerous. So, yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> speaking of research, when I was uh, doing this, uh, 1984, uh, I think it's 84 kind of lays claim to my fact or my, my theory that uh, the 1980s, I think, were probably the best decade for movies. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And uh, it's not a popular opinion from our last podcast when uh, we uh, did uh, that with um, the uh, with Cole, Cole from the Knights of Degradation. Uh, he uh, kind of said that The Thing was his favorite 1980s movie and he didn't like E.T. He didn't like Back <laughs> to the Future either. I, I will yeah. not tolerate Back to the Future slander on this program. <laughs> the 80s were a, a golden era for movies for me, for sure. Yeah, I was just going through like uh, the year, and I, I personally think that 1989 was probably the best year in the 80s, simply because all the shit that came out. Uh, that's one of my favorite movie years of all time, uh, simply because yeah. like two of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Batman and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade mm-hmm. came out that year. Uh, 82 yeah. obviously was a banger year. We went over that last week in the thing episode, which you can listen to on mm-hmm. Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts, cheap plug of the show. Um, but not a lot of people talk about, uh, 1984, um, just real quick running off of, uh, some of the more popular movies that came out that year, Beverly Hills cop, uh, yeah, Ghost, ghostbusters, obviously, uh, gremlins, which we have also mm-hmm. done on this show. You can listen to as well. Uh, we did The Karate Kid. That also came out in 1984. Police Academy. Romancing the Stone. This is Spinal Tap. And a little sci-fi classic known as The Terminator. Yep. Just some of the movies that came out in 84. Man, Romancing the Stone. I don't remember the last time I saw that, but that was a good one. That's a fucking banger of a movie, and maybe we will revisit that for this show at some point. Okay, I'll be down for that. Um, but it also, um, I read a story. Uh, it was on NPR's website when I was looking up stuff for this movie, uh, and they came up with an interesting theory that 1984 was the year that... Uh, Hollywood started to build what Hollywood is known for now, which is basically franchise building. Every mm-hmm. single one of those movies, except for Spinal Tap that I mentioned, have either been rebooted, have sequels made, or some kind of reimagining of it. Beverly Hills Cop, there was uh, two more movies. Uh, there's Apparently, I think there's a new one in production or in pre-production at some mm-hmm. point. Plus, they did a failed television show pilot with uh, Brandon Jackson from Tropic Thunder. Uh, Gremlins got a sequel. Yeah. Indiana Jones, of course, they've done, what, four? Yeah, four sequels to that. Uh, the Karate Kids got, what, four four sequels, a reboot, a reboot. and a, a television show. Yep. Uh, Police Academy, what, they made, like, fucking 30 of them? Somewhere around. I mean, there, I know yeah. they. I know they made. I, I lost track at six. <laughs> There's too many. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, romancing the stone. They have a sequel to that, and then Terminator. They've done four or five sequels to that too. 
a lot of sequels, a lot of franchises. Yeah, and then Ghostbusters, of course, they've done a sequel. They uh, they done a uh, reboot. Well, actually, I, would you consider Afterlife a reboot too? No, I think it was. Uh, um, I mean, it it kind technically a, is rebooting, but it's a sequel for uh, sure. A reboot sequel, yeah. It's it's taking place after the events that uh, like the 2016 one pretends like the first one didn't happen, and then the Afterlife is kind of after the events of one and two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I thought it was an interesting theory that yeah, after that you started seeing like all these franchises getting built shortly thereafter. Because I mean, like what eighty five had Back to the Future, and of course in the nineties yeah. we got. Uh, or into the later 80s, we got Lethal Weapon did for Batman, of course. And then we're off after that. Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard. Yeah, we're we're into it after that. So I just I thought it was an interesting theory. You can check it out. Um, the story was, I don't want to go too deep into it, but yeah, the story was on uh, NPR's website. Uh, it was called 1984, the year we unwittingly stopped watching movies and started franchising, or watching franchises. So, yeah, it just kind of goes into depth about, like, some of the stuff that came out. Oh, yeah, Star Trek, The Search for Spock. That was the third Star Trek movie, and they did a shit ton of those, too. So, Well, The Search for Spock wasn't that great. No, those <laughs> were always movies that, like, the even-numbered ones were good. The odd-numbered ones were either yeah. meh or, in the case of five, atrocious. But... Well, uh, you want to get into these categories? I'm kind of uh, chomping at the bit here because there was a ton of meat on the bone for about Ghostbusters, and like I, oh for sure, I only put it uh, five or six little fun facts and other things about this. But man, there's a ton of mm-hmm. stuff to dig into. If you're interested, just Google Ghostbusters. Tons of stuff to dig into. Um, the tale of the tape. This was released on June the eighth, nineteen eighty four, the same day as Gremlins. Yeah. Oh wow! The same day. Yeah, I mean, uh, as cool as the the Barbenheimer phenomenon was from the this summer, because it was cool to see like people excited for movies. I mean, that kind of pales in comparison to uh, Gremlins and Ghostbusters the same day. I mean, we don't know if Barb uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie are going to be like we revisit those 30 years down the road as like iconic franchise or movies like we do gremlins and ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember during the, uh, the hype for all that they, uh, people were saying like, like they had never seen a phenomenon like that before. And like, there wasn't a time when two big movies came out at the same time. Like I, I've known for years that ghostbusters and gremlins came out the same day. I mean, I, yeah, that's kind I of. Didn't, a, I didn't even. I didn't even know. Oh really? Yeah. I stumped producer Adam. I'm gonna take that's my. A, that's a cool. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna take my victory I mean, lap around the the block, so I'll be back in a minute. Okay. But, well, see, you know a little bit more about movies than I do. I think, in in my head, anyways. That gives me a great idea for an episode. We will get a third party to just ask us questions, and it will be, you know, like kind of a game show. Trivia night. Yeah, I like it. I seen um, ads on Facebook regarding a Traveling prices Right 
show. And I don't know if you remember yeah. uh, Todd Newton. He used to do like stuff on E all the time, and he done like a few game shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Time has not been kind to Todd Newton. I'm sure he's still a cool dude, but I bet we could get him to host it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Somebody, or at least like a C, like a C level celebrity or something like that. Like, uh, yeah. Like Nick Swartzen or the guy that played the lead in Grandma's Boy, <laughs> Alan Covert. Yeah. We get him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this movie was released on June 8th, 1984. This stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, and Annie Potts. Directed by the incomparable Ivan Reitman. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score for this one is 95% from critics and an 88% audience score. This movie made $295.2 million on a $30 million budget which I do believe this was the number one movie at the box office in 1984 too. And adjusted for inflation, the North American gross is $667 million, making it the 37th highest grossing movie of all time. This was nominated for two Academy Awards, including Best Original Song by Ray Parker Jr., Ghostbusters, which you heard a little bit here at the opening, and Best Visual Effects. This was selected for preservation by the Library of Congress in the National Film Registry. And you can watch this one on The Cock. The Cock. So, it's on The Cock. So after you watch uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, you can just turn it into a Five Nights at Freddy's and a Ghostbusters double feature. Yep. Pretty good for Halloween night. I'd say it's a... I've never, I haven't seen Five Nights at Freddy's yet, but... Sounds like a pretty good combination. I've heard some uh, some good about that movie. So, yeah. And uh, that brings us into the "Did You Know" portion of the show. This is like some fun facts, little tidbits about the behind the scenes workings of the movie. Um, this one I did not know about till I was doing the research the other day. That comedian John Belushi has a few different ties to this movie. Um, during the writing process, Dan Aykroyd wrote the Peter Vinkman role with Belushi in mind. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, Aykroyd was writing a line for Belushi when he got a phone call from, from uh, the producer of the movie, I think his name's Bernie Brillstein, mm-hmm. that John Belushi had died. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing a behind-the-scenes about that. Yeah. I've it got- goes into... One of my facts too about uh, how they got him replaced, but yeah, we're on yours though. So yeah, I'm, I've I've got a I got a take on that here uh, later on too. Um, also, uh, Slimer, the uh, the ghost which gained a ton of popularity on the Real Ghostbusters cartoon program, which we didn't even mention that they did a Ghostbusters oh, yeah. cartoon as well, which I think that was just mm-hmm. as popular as the movie for f- at least a year. Um, oh yeah. I- all the time yeah um the slimer like how slimer loves food the way he eats food uh, that's inspired by belushi's character uh bluto from uh, national lampoon's animal house oh, okay oh yeah i can see that yeah so i thought that was kind of cool um the winston zedmore role which uh is played by ernie hudson 
was supposed to be a much bigger role. And as a matter of fact, uh, Eddie Murphy was supposed to play Winston, but when Eddie turned the movie role down, they decided to par Winston's role back and they expanded the Peter Venkman role, which, of course, went on to be played by Bill Murray. I thought that was uh, mm-hmm. kind of an interesting fact, too. It kind of makes me wonder what kind of movie this would have been with Belushi and Eddie Murphy instead of Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson. But like I said, I'm saving it. I got a take on that. So stay tuned for that. Um, now, this next one I thought was, like, incredibly cool. Uh, this movie was pitched to Columbia, filmed and released within one calendar year, which never fucking happens. So I imagine it was probably a very, a very tight shoot. Um, Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis went into Columbia with a meeting with uh, essentially a 40-page treatment written by Dan Aykroyd, and they were given the green light, but they were given a set release date of the June 8th, 1984, so they had to get all that done within a year. That's crazy, especially with one of the facts that I have. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Wow. John Candy was offered the role of Louis Tully, who's played in the movie by Rick Moranis, but he turned it down after he couldn't figure out how he wanted to play the role. Uh, Just some of the stuff I read, he was talking about, or he's thinking about making the character German and talked with a thick German mm-hmm. accent, which he just didn't really think worked well, so he passed on it. But I think Rick Moranis was a much better choice. Oh, for sure. I like I like the uh, the nerdy kind of awkward aspect of his character. Mm-hmm. To keep interest in the movie going, the studio ran a TV ad with the Ghostbusters TV commercial, which you see in the movie but they changed the 555 number with a 1-800 number that people could actually call. And if you called it, people were greeted with a voicemail message from Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd telling them that they were out. It says, hi, we're out catching ghosts right now. And I guess this got over 1,000 calls a day for 24 hours straight for several weeks. That's some good marketing. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me uh, back when the, the latest Scream came out, you could text mm-hmm. or no, you could go to their website and you could yeah. type in a number and then you would get a call from Ghostface. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. When my son got his, uh, his cell phone, I tried to get him to answer the phone, but he didn't recognize the number. So he never answered the phone. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I eventually cool. had to get him like, Hey man, your phone <laughs> keeps ringing. Just answer it. See who it is. And then, <laughs> this movie was the highest grossing movie of all time until Home Alone's release in 1990. Yeah, see, that one I knew. But, I mean, this was a different era, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one I got is uh, on the uh, director's commentary. Ivan Reitman said Dan Aykroyd's first script has the story taking place in the future, and there were Ghostbusters everywhere, kind of like firefighters and, like, emergency workers. But Hmm. uh, I guess the budget for uh, that kind of movie would have been well over $300 million in 1984, keep in mind. So they brought in Harold Ramis to redo the script. I kind of like the the setting it's in. Yeah, a a futuristic. Yeah, that's just weird. Uh, That's a big nod dog for me and Randy Jackson. 
<laughs> what what do you got for us, man? So um, I've only got a couple of uh, facts to add to yours. Uh, the ones that you had were uh, some of the ones that uh, I came across, but uh, I got a couple of good ones, especially with the uh, um, John Belushi uh, um, casting. Uh, so when uh, they couldn't cast him and they had to go with Bill Murray, um, they basically said, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get Bill. He's he's good. And then um, everybody on production was really scared because they hadn't heard from him until the day of the, the first shoot. He showed up and they were like just sweating constantly because they didn't think he was going to show up. Nobody had heard from him. Nobody had heard if he was going to take the role. Uh, nobody had heard from his agent and just day one shooting. He was there, but you know, Dan Aykroyd being the kind of guy he is, he kept saying, no, he'll be here. He'll be here. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, and, and that kind of makes me think that he's a, he's a little bit of a prima donna because he also, you know, he, he's very picky about what kind of movie he does. Um, with uh, Garfield being one of his biggest faux pas. But, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, actually, if I recall right, uh, he agreed to do this movie if Columbia funded a pet project that his called The Razor's Edge. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and they, both of those movies came out in 1984, so that's why they, that's how they were able to get Bill Murray because Bill Murray was kind of... Uh, because I think this was coming off of Stripes, which was a huge hit uh, yeah. the year before. So, like, Bill Murray was coming yeah. with a lot of steam, too. So, And plus, he's a Saturday Night Live alum. And, man, it's hard to believe that, like, Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Could you imagine, like, what kind of movie this would have been if they would have had Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Eddie Murphy in the same movie? Like, yeah. three of arguably the biggest Saturday Night Live stars of all time. Yeah. That would have been that would have been crazy. I like the cast that they have. I don't mm -hmm. think I would recast uh, Ernie Hudson, but you know. Mm -hmm. Um, my uh, second fact uh, that you had, did not have, um, they actually had to um, film each scene twice, wherever the name Ghostbusters came up, because Ghostbusters was copyrighted. It was a, uh, I believe it was a British film. Uh, the, uh, the studio had to buy the rights to Ghostbusters. Um, and it was coming right down to the wire because of the tight schedule. I didn't know how tight the, the movie schedule was, but that's crazy that they had to do that. And to secure the rights to Ghostbusters. Um, they filmed every scene twice with two different logos, one being Ghost Breakers, which doesn't sound as cool. Um, but, uh, on the day that, uh, they shot the scene, uh, with everybody shouting Ghostbusters, you know, the scene where it's Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, uh, the director got on the phone with the studio and, uh, it was just a pay phone and he held the phone up to the crowd shouting Ghostbusters and they got back on the phone and he said, see, we have to get it now. So get those rights. And then he hung up the phone. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I yeah, thought that was pretty cool. Ghostbreakers is a fucking horrible name. That sounds like there's a studio. I don't know if they still do it or not, but there's a studio that if there's like a big movie that comes out, like 
transform like I'll just use transformers because I, I remember exactly what this company called them. But they would make a similar movie with like really, really cheap special effects. And all they would do is they would try to sell people. It's almost like, hey, if you see this at the video store, you're, if you just kind of glance at it, like all the new Transformers, you pick it up. And then once mm-hmm. you get home, you've paid for it already. You realize this is definitely not fucking Transformers, but it was called Transmorphers. <laughs> and it was like really yeah. cheap special effects. It sounds like it's one of those movies. Yeah. It's it's the off brand like the wish version of Ghostbusters. Yeah, oh, we've got Ghostbusters at home. Yeah, Ghostbreakers <laughs> is like the GoBots to the Transformers. Yeah, they use actual they they use vacuum cleaners instead of proton packs. Yeah, I can imagine like them being on that studio. Like that's gonna be a no from us lads. <laughs> uh, my last fact uh, that you didn't have. Um, and I'm saying that because I don't have uh, as many facts because you, you brushed on a few of them, which is okay. Uh, we're allowed to have the same thoughts. Um, but uh, Dan Aykroyd was sort of the the paranormal expert on um, uh, the movie. Of course, he, he wrote it, but um, he his family was into the occult and the paranormal before this, and it was one of his hobbies. And so if something didn't seem right or if something uh, uh, wasn't, um, I guess, up to what is a paranormal, like, I don't know. You know how, like, they have scientists on movies with science in them. Uh, This is kind of like the parascience or whatever. He he made sure they followed all the rules, I guess. So, um, and he uh, he made sure he wrote uh, what he believed was correct in the in the script as well. Well, he uh, I just looked it up and he said that because I remember vaguely him having a a show where he was discussing ghosts. And it was called Dan Aykroyd's Out There. It was in uh, 2002 and it ran on. Come on, IMDb. Don't. It was on the Sci Fi Channel. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that would have uh, been cool. It's I would have listened uh, to Dan Aykroyd talk about ghosts. Yeah, it's in 2002, the Sci-Fi Channel, later renamed to Sci-Fi. Uh, why, why fucking say that, IMDb? It makes no sense. People know what I'm talking about. Greenlit, the Hollywood actor and UFO enthusiast, Dan Aykroyd's talk show about the paranormal. Although dozens of episodes were filmed, the show got canceled and never aired. Oh, that sucks. And then I guess he narrates a... Uh, a show on Travel Channel called Hotel Paranormal. Yep. Which, uh, I was wondering what happened to Dan Aykroyd. I hadn't really seen him in much in a long time. Last thing I really remember him in was uh, Gross Point Blank. That was, fuck, 96. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie, though, too. Yeah. He, I mean, he was in, in Ghostbusters Afterlife for a couple of well, scenes. He, yeah, but... that was a cameo. I mean, like, I mean, the only one really yeah. steadily working is Ernie Hudson. I mean, that guy's fucking everything. Yeah. But uh, good stuff, man. I uh, I had seen a little bit about the Ackroyd stuff being into the, the paranormal, but I didn't know it went kind of that deep. Yeah. I think his grandfather was a psychic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember, but yeah, that's that's why he got into it for sure. Well, you're being recorded right now, so I, I, you technically are quoted on it. I am quoted, but 
I said don't quote me on it, and that was also recorded, so I'm perpetually not being quoted. Oh, that's true. And you can always edit this out. That's true. <laughs> All right. The Martin Scorsese, this is Cinema Award for the best scene in the movie. I'll let you uh, lead off. What do you got as your favorite scene of the movie? Well, my favorite scene of the movie has got to be uh, – and everybody says it's it's the the end scene, which is it's good. That's fine. My favorite scene is the scene in the hotel with Slimer, uh, ending up in the uh, um, uh, banquet hall where the kids. I think it's a bar mitzvah is happening in there. They destroy everything, and I'm like, oh man, poor kid. He's gonna go in there, and everything's gonna be on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Love that scene. It's so good, and it has some of the most iconic lines, uh, like, um. Oh, I got slimed, you know, mm-hmm. um, and don't cross the streams. And I just love that scene. It's so fun. And it's their first foray into trying to catch a ghost, which is really fun to watch too. Yeah. Um, I know for me, like I'll get in my minute, uh, honorable mention. I do like the beginning where uh, you get introduced to, uh, the ghost, uh, uh, Ray Finkel's mom is the librarian in that. Mm, oh yeah yeah and then uh that was pretty cool uh mine's though it's basically it's from the time the mayor of new york gives him the okay to go get like in this till the end uh i mm-hmm. mean you got the the stay puff marshmallow man in that which people that have never even seen this movie which i don't know many people that do but i'll use my son as an example he had never seen the movie mm-hmm until we watched a couple of years ago, but he knew who the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was. Right. Um, Iconic. Yeah. Uh, that That's just my favorite scene. And plus, like, I really like how they got treated like rock stars. Oh, yeah. When they were... They got treated like rock stars when they were uh, coming to the, to the apartment complex, uh, mm-hmm. which... Um, I didn't, I, I forgot to include this too, but uh, Gozer was actually, uh, they're rumored to be, uh, they offered it to Paul Rubens. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I but, can see that. Yeah, I, I think the battle at the end's a little anticlimactic because basically, like, they just cross the streams and then boom, it's it's over. Yeah. But I think yeah, everything... But, I mean, for me, leading everything like up to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is awesome. Yeah. You can't really do a lot of action scenes with a giant proton pack on your back, though. Too. You can't like, jump or That's true. I, I, or roll. I'm actually surprised, though, that uh, they didn't make those a little bit more lightweight. Because like, in every movie, yeah. like when they they have like equipment, it's like they always make like a, 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 like a tighter version of it. Like Batman, mm-hmm. as an example, Batman always had like all his stuff, but Batman's stuff was also like, oh well, let's improve it, let's make it smaller. Or even in the Dark yeah. Knight, he made his suit not quite as bulky; he made it more compact. Yeah, thanks to the great Lucius yeah. Fox. And I think they uh, they did that really well in in Ghostbusters Afterlife with the car, because I do remember seeing some behind the scenes stuff where. Um, uh, the director, who I, I believe is Ivan Reitman's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Jason Reitman. Uh, he said that uh, Ghostbusters usually fight uh, shoulder to shoulder, and it's always, you know, 
uh, slow and methodical, but they wanted to, you know, kick it into high gear and have like a cool action scene. So what better way to do that than with the Ecto one? Mm. And I think that was pretty cool, but they did stuff that they probably couldn't do in the 1980s too. with scenes like that. So, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I, I think both are really cool scenes. Um, I, uh, I also like the scene that you mentioned too with the bar mitzvah. Mm. That was kind of a yeah. cool scene too. But uh, I don't know, just just my favorite is like everything leading up to. Plus, uh, we'll get into him in a minute. But Walter Peck kind of gets like basically, they he gets his uh, fuck off. We're gonna do it anyways. Which yeah, we'll get in a little bit of Bill Atherton here in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I I just like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man sequence. I I like it too, and. Uh, I do want to throw an honorable mention out before we decide, but uh, I like the apartment scenes too, uh, like with Zool in the fridge and uh, the eggs cooking on the counter. I think that's a really cool effect, especially being a practical effect. I uh, I also, yeah, when you, you talk about the apartment, uh, when they're at Lewis's party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the dog gets on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> that scene cracks me up because like, he's basically like, the nerdiest uh, party host of all time. And he's like basically saying like, all oh, these aren't even friends of mine. They're just clients. So I could do this attacks right off. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how, when the dog breaks down the door and chases him out, nobody cares. Like nobody chases after him. They just watch him leave and run down the hallway and then run out of the apartment building. They're all still in the apartment. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got all that that fish uh, on sale. What was it? Fresh salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he and the generic the generic pills. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on that because I I tell you what, like ibuprofen is expensive as it is. Like I'm not gonna buy fucking Advil. I'm just gonna buy the uh, yeah. Walmart Equate version. It does the same thing. It does. He's, he's, he's really smart with that. <laughs> The uh, the Andy work we I think we got a winner here for the uh, the best line of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna call this category. This is the working title. We'll let the viewers and listeners decide if this is gonna stick. But uh, the Andy Dufresne "Get Busy Living" or "Get Busy Dying" award for the best or most quotable line of the movie. Um. I will share mine because the only reason uh, I I chose this one, it, it's kind of an iconic line from the movie. Plus, I got a very funny story to go along with it. But uh, my choice is don't cross the streams. I like that. It seems to be like that one's kind of like got thrown into the pop culture lexicon for a little while. Um, I remember, I'm trying to think of what year this was. It might have been like 95 or 96, there was a drive-in movie theater, probably about 20 minutes from my house. And it had one of those, uh, when you went to the men's room, it had one of those uh, urinals, but it wasn't like the standalone urinals. It's basically just pissed into the trough. Yeah. And I went in there to go to the bathroom, and some guy, who's probably in his mid-40s, just had a big beer gut, says to me, don't cross the streams when he's pissing like on the other side of that trough. (laughs) 
And I, I, I didn't know how to react. I'm just like, dude, come on, man. Like, I have an unwritten rule. Don't talk to me in the bathroom. Just yeah, that's the, uh, that's the whole thing is uh, you, you can't, like, you have to pick the urinal that's one away from the other guy if there's, like, multiple urinals. You, you can't. You have to pick the furthest one away from the door. There's like unwritten rules of the of public restrooms that you have to have. Yeah, I don't like going next to somebody. Anyways, I'm always afraid that someone's going to piss on my shoe. Yeah, yeah. Because not everybody out there is, uh, you know, a sharpshooter when it comes to going to the bathroom. A lot of people aren't from all the public restrooms I've, I've been in. There's far too many to count. Yeah, it's like, you know, sometimes there's like a giant... It's like a fucking lake. I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like five feet away from the actual bowl. It's just, what were you thinking? Did you need to get up closer? It's not like, you know, a literal pissing contest. You just get it in there. That's what I think too, man. It's not like, it, this is not like trick shot urinating on ESPN too. It's like, dude, like that's some fucking common decency for people. Like, no one wants to step into a fucking, like, a river of piss when they go to the bathroom. But yeah, th- this guy, though, he just, yeah, he's just so fucking proud of himself. That, like, is, yeah, don't cross the streams. Is he going to wave it back and forth? I don't know. That's, I, I was afraid. Of, I just wanted to hurry up and get done at that point. Like, it's like, come on, just get this over with. Like, scrub my hands and go. <laughs> But I think, yeah, don't cross the streams. And it also comes back into play later on in the movie, too, because then they have to to be able to defeat Gozer. So, Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, I would say who you're going to call, but I don't believe they say it in the entire movie. They, they don't. It's, um, it's, it's uh, the song, yeah. Yeah, because I, I thought that, too. I'm like, oh, this is easy. It's like, who are you going to call? It's like iconic. It's still... Uh, very well-known pop culture reference, but then like, nope, it's, it's just in the song. Yep. They say, they say it in the second one when they use the song, but not in the first one. Yeah. We ain't talking about part two though. Yeah. Um, I kind of like, uh, the, uh, raining cats and dogs, mass hysteria, that sort of thing. You know, that whole exchange. I can't pick one singular line from that though. And I also like um, uh, the Twinkie discussion as well. It's one big Twinkie. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's don't cross the streams. It's got to be. I did want to uh, mention uh, where they uh, – I forget the actual line, but he says something about um, Walter Peck not having a dick. Oh, yeah. He's like uh, – he refers to him as dickless here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen the second one. Is that uh, actress, the mayor, in uh, part two? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's the mayor. He's doing a lot of good for the city of New York. Got a second term and everything. Right. I mean, he's the one that uh, let the Ghostbusters save New York, so of course they're going to reelect him. Oh, I remember the line. It's Yeah, Nicholas here, and then later on he's like, is this true? And then it's like, yes, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> that's what it was. Yep, that's it. That's That's got an honorable mention for me. Like, if it wasn't Don't Cross the Streams, then it would be that one for sure. Yeah. 
Um, I did decide we will keep the uh, Paul Walker, I said, forget about a cuh award, but we're going to use that as a uh, unintentionally hilarious or bad line of the movie, which doesn't really qualify here. There's nothing here that's like cringeworthy or like, oh man, I can't believe they said that. I mean, this is a comedy yeah, for no. crying out loud. So, I mean, it's kind of, if you're laughing, it's doing its job. Right. Every word that's written is, is written to make you laugh anyways. So, but we'll save that category for like what we do, like a Chuck Norris movie or something. Oh yeah. I'm sure that we can find some. <laughs> <laughs> the McLovin award for the best supporting or steen or scene stealing performance. Um, who do you guys, your nominee? Um, I'm going to say Annie Potts. Oh, okay. I just, I just like her. Yeah. She's not in the movie enough to be a, uh, a lead uh, in this one anyways. Uh, and I just, I like her character. She adds to the, uh, to the Ghostbusters uh, mythos. Yeah. I, she's, I like her as a secretary. Yeah. She, she's I've always kind of, I've always kind of likened her as like the fifth Ghostbuster. Yeah. That's a, that's a good call. Um, however, for me, as much as I do like Annie Potts in this one, uh, my nominee is going to be, uh, and since we are a movie podcast, we can refer to him as Bill, but I'm going with William Atherton as Walter Peck. Okay. Nicholas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, I named, I named him as my nominee simply because like, he's kind of like this actor is. Essentially, he's known for being like two just gigantic movie assholes. And I think without Atherton's Walter Peck doing the crawling, there's no way that Dick Thornburg can run and die hard. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, you kind of said, and I, I, when you're, and from what I've seen, he has a pretty lengthy like career in film and television, but. His two, he's like Paul Gleason, uh, the principal in the Breakfast Club. Iconic yeah. movie assholes. Like, that's all they're going to be ever known for. They play assholes really well. Yeah, just, <laughs> just slimy human beings. Both, uh, both really uh, popular assholes in the 80s. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Atherton had two. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Is he... Well, well, we'll save it for uh, for later on. But, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I only remember him from Ghostbusters, Die Hard, and Die Hard 2. Those are the only three movies I yeah. remember him in. Same. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. And I'm sure he's been in a bunch of stuff. But I, that, would, uh, I would be willing to give it to him just because, you know, uh his uh he's a good he's a good uh person to hate he makes you hate him really well mm-hmm. yeah all right bill atherton oh, man i i hate saying this but is he still alive i don't know well let me just look it up here real quick i hate i hate doing this because i feel like a oh yeah no you're good well, I think it's just the way I, I brought it up. Like, is he dead? <laughs> uh, no, still alive, still kicking. Um, okay. It, according to Wikipedia, um, William Atherton, 
born July 30th, 1947, is an American actor. Okay, cool. He had starring roles in The Sugarland Express, Day of the Locust, The Hindenburg, and Looking for Mr. Goodbar, but is perhaps most recognized for his roles in Ghostbusters and Die Hard. Boom, there you go. Because if um, Wiki- Wikipedia says that that's what he's known for, then it's got to be fucking true. So in looking up uh, his film history on um, IMDb, I ran across Oh, shit, he's Planet a real genius, Coaster. too. Oh, okay. I forgot all about him being in Real Genius, which is an awesome movie that we have to do at some point, too. Again, an, a movie from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, looking at this filmography, he's in Planet Coaster, console edition, uh, reprising his role as Walter Peck uh, because they had a Ghostbusters pack add-on, which is awesome <laughs> if Walter Peck is included in that and he's voiced by uh, the correct actor. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just, like, going down his IMDb. He was in the Pelican Brief. I never, like, I've seen the Pelican Brief once. Uh, he's he's a, Pro Salvation. He's in The Last Samurai. All right. He's in the Ghostbusters video game as Walter Peck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, um, I remember they did get all of the uh, voice actors back together for uh, the Ghostbusters video game. Is that uh, any good? I never played it. It's an excellent video game. Yeah, they actually remastered it for the, the newer consoles uh, just recently, like maybe a couple of years ago. Very, uh, very good pickup. It's only about 20 bucks. Um, it was, of course, fifty nine ninety nine when it first came out on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. But, um, it, yeah, it's only a $20 pickup on the new stuff, and it's remastered. And it's really funny. It follows the events of the first film kind of loosely. Gives it a little bit of a cool video game feel. You know, that was one of those games that I bought. I was really bad when I was, like, really into gaming. I would buy games, and I would never play them. They would just sit on my shelf. I, mean, I think it was just the fact I like to spend money. Yeah. It's I've, funny how I've evolved. You're describing me right now. <laughs> I've, I've evolved from being, like, someone that just spent money with reckless abandon. I'd buy shit, and it would just sit there and collect dust to where I'm, like, I don't buy shit like i buy like experiences now like i'll buy tickets to concerts yeah. or something like that. So i buy more expensive shit but i get to do that it doesn't sit on itself yeah. like, i don't know i kind of want to play I that just, ghostbusters game i just spent 130 dollars on video games today <laughs> oh wow okay uh i i spent uh I'm uh, going uh, trick-or-treating, which in our uh, neck of the woods is going to be after this episode comes out. But uh, I was going to – a couple of things pop, pop in mind, but I decided I was going to walk around with my kids dressed as John Cena. Now, anybody that knows what I look like knows that, yeah, that's a stretch. But I ended up spending $50 on a John Cena T-shirt, a hat, and just because – if I hit over $50, I got a, a, uh, like a 25% off coupon code. I bought myself a stone cold Steve Austin shirt too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, enough of the, the spending money with reckless abandon. 
Uh, so we're giving it to Bill Atherton. Yep. You know, he might be one of those actors. We've always talked about mailing this award. Like, kind of like when you're in elementary school, like student of the week award. I bet yeah. he would appreciate that if we did that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, oh, he, can, we, can we inscribe it to Dickless? Let's not go that far. We don't know him well enough yet. <laughs> I don't want to get a nasty gram back from uh, Dick Thornburg because I don't want him camped out in front of my house. That's true. That's true. Um, the uh, We'll skip the Welcome to Dumpsville Population U award because there's like I can't really think of anybody I would recast. Um, no. Not uh, even close. Unsolved Mysteries of the Movie. Um, I think the sequel does a pretty good job of answering any questions. You kind of wonder what happens to them after the the events of the first movie. And, of course, you yeah. know, the second one, they're kind of financially struggling for a while until Vigo mm-hmm. the Carpathian decides to wreak havoc through New York City. And then, like, later on, we find out in Afterlife that Egon has passed away. And then, yeah, you know. Looking to stop the second coming of Gozer, or the third coming of Gozer, or well, whatever coming it is, stop it. He's he I like, think that he's visited Earth a few times, right? I think that uh, one of the questions that I have is kind of like the Ghostbusters uh, series overall is what, how do, uh, how does the world take ghosts being real as like a a normal thing because they don't really get delve into that they sort of in afterlife like uh paul rudd's character is like yeah uh i really like the ghostbusters and paranormal it's super cool but uh, a lot of people seem like they don't believe in it still mm-hmm. and like the videos on youtube are just you know videos on youtube oh like crazy people yeah. That's a good one. So, because you like, do they believe in ghosts? Do they think the events of the New York hauntings were real or? I would think yeah. that there's enough documented evidence just from fucking Ghostbusters in 1984. There, no one caught a picture of a giant marshmallow wrecking <laughs> havoc in New York City. <laughs> Or the Statue of Liberty getting up off of her plinth and walking through the town. Yeah. Yeah. There's a giant pink river of ooze running through the city. No yeah. one, not a single documented like picture or, well, phones weren't, I mean, cameras. I mean, I don't see anybody walking around with a camera. Yeah. Like, no news organization got hold of that? I don't know. That's That's a good question, though. Because it's like, do people, like, just accept it as a thing? Like, like, oh, like, you know, ghosts are real, kind of like, you know, the flu. Yeah. Or do they just talk about it being crazy people? I think that they do, but it's just one of those things where it's, like, commonplace now. It's like, oh, you know, we know there's ghosts out there. I'm not going to stop living my life. Right. I think... um maybe there are certain people that might not think that 
it's real, uh, you know, those conspiracy theorists. And maybe, like, uh, uh, Egon's family um, was like that because they hated that he left to, you know, go save them from ghosts. So they were kind of biased towards this stuff sucks, you know. So Yeah. We just kind of had an indirect COVID conversation. Except with Frank yeah, Blinder Ghost. <laughs> I was just like, I was thinking like, this is like really taking a 2020 turn for a minute. <laughs> is there some hidden subtext in the Ghostbusters afterlife? Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're not getting into that stuff. Boys right. and ghouls. Don't even, don't even bring it up. I will completely ignore you. Um, the most 1984 moment of the movie what do you got? Because I think I got a pretty good one. Oh, the most 1984 moment. Um, oh, that's hard. Uh, probably. I think the camcorder. Too... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the ahead. camcorder's too easy. So I'm not, I don't have that one. Okay. Uh, their office is super 1980s. Like everything is beige. Uh, everything is wood paneled. That that's super eighties. Mm. Got the brown carpet. <laughs> yeah, very stock. Yeah, I have. You don't see this anymore. Uh, Ray and he, just ripping fucking heaters in the office. Oh yeah. I mean, you Everybody don't see that. Yeah. yeah, don't see that anymore. I really enjoy. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's ability to dangle that cigarette off of his lip. Yeah, it's like, you're supposed to be a scientist, but you could easily put in a transmission in like an 82 Buick. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> mechanics are the only people, or like people that work with their hands, are the only people that can master that, that cigarette where the ash gets to be about like four or five inches long. Yeah. And of course, he's dangling it over uh, open engine compartment with several flammable fumes. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you just gave me a, another uh, category for the Hall of Fame section too. <laughs> All right, um, the we still have not found a sponsor for this next category yet. We have reached out to Applebee's. We've reached out to Waffle House, uh, Golden Corral. No, we didn't do Golden Corral yet. I think we did Cracker Barrel. Certainly, yeah. track. Somebody just reach out to us. McDonald's or Burger King? We're not picky. We'll we'll do toy deals. Oh yeah! Oh dude, how awesome would that be? The Couch Potato Happy Meal. That would be awesome. Me and you, and then, like, I don't know, like, since Lucas is an OG host, like, Lucas could easily be, like, a toy in there, too. He's He's got the, uh, he's the golden rare one that you get, like, because we're, we're going to be blind bags or something. He's the variant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that will have us in different outfits, and then, yeah, like, just imagine the excitement in some kid's eyes. We'd be like, Mom, I got a Lucas. <laughs> And then, like, you know, later, 20 years down the road, like, McDonald's Happy Meal toy, that'll be, like, in some random toy store, and it's worth, like, 600 bucks. Meanwhile, yeah. we're in, the we're in a, like, a garage sale pile for, like, a nickel. 
Yeah, that's how it is. Like you go into like one of those consignment shops and you see the giant basket full of the toys that are still in the McDonald's bags. Yeah, we're like we're like the toys like in a doctor's office, like kids can go play with while they're waiting. <laughs> like, mommy, who's this? Um, all right. Well, yeah, uh, Applebee's, uh, Waffle House still have not reached out to us yet. Please do so. We will make the uh, best use of your brand, but uh. Today, I I don't know. Let, let's go with, with McDonald's. The McDonald's, hot off the skillet take for the hottest take regarding this movie. Um, for me, earlier on in the uh, did, did You Know section, where we gave you uh, some tidbits, some interesting fun facts, uh, we did mention that uh, John Belushi and Eddie Murphy were both considered for roles in this movie. Uh, John Belushi, unfortunately, passed away. And then Eddie Murphy uh, turned down the role of Winston. I think this movie would suck with both of those guys in the roles. Not saying that they're bad performers, but I don't think this movie works with Eddie Murphy and John Belushi. The reason I say that is because they are such a dynamic presence. Like, they command the screen. And I think one of the reasons mm-hmm. why this movie works so well is, like, obviously Bill Murray's the lead in this, and this was at a time when Dan Aykroyd was kind of a big name. But they also give uh, enough room for uh, Harold Ramis and, uh, to a lesser extent, Ernie Hudson and his limited amount of screen time. They give them room to breathe. They they all have their moments to shine, and they don't really take too yeah. much of that away from them. Even though, obviously, Bill Murray's the lead, and he has most of the screen time. But Bill Murray has one of those presences in movies where he's not, like, overbearing to an extent. You know what I mean? Right. I'd agree with that. I don't know if that's a hot take since it never happened, but I just think... I mean, it's a a hot take because those are two really good comedians. Like, they're excellent comedians, and you'd think the movie would be good, but no. I would agree with you, though. Yeah, I think it works well with, uh, with who they had. Yeah. I don't know, do you have a McDonald's hot off the skillet uh, hot take? Sure. Um, in talking about merchandising, um, I'm going to go with uh, out of everything that has been merchandised to kids uh, and even just the, uh, the whole uh, marketing of this movie, I think it is the best uh, out of – the movies from the eighties, maybe, maybe Batman, but yeah, uh, it, Batman. I wasn't uh, old enough to remember the hysteria and the, like just the phenomenon surrounding Ghostbusters. Cause this was like a big, like pop culture event too. But the mm-hmm. first one I remember very distinctly was Batman from 89. Yeah. But see, you also had ET as well. Um, yeah, see, like I, yeah. I was shit four when ET came out in theaters, so I don't even remember yeah. that. They had like campaigns with Atari and Reese's Pieces, and yeah, we know how that Atari, that Atari one worked out for them. <laughs> but I, I would say that, in my opinion, Ghostbusters is the most prolific. I guess. Not not necessarily the, the best one or the most successful. It's the most long lasting. Oh, you talking about like franchise from the eighties? 
uh, just merchandising, marketing, uh, uh, the presence and culture, I guess. I mean, Batman's always been a presence and culture, but like, it's surprising that a movie from the 80s still has kids dressing up like them for Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I would say probably in terms of uh, movie franchises from the 80s, I mean, it would have to be Ghostbusters and Batman is still kind of are somewhat mm-hmm. relevant from this era. Yeah, you don't have kids dressing up like E.T. Not anymore. Yeah, and like, I honestly, as much as this kind of sucks, like, I don't think my kids would even take an interest in watching E.T. Like, my son, out of all the movies I tried to show him that I loved as a kid during the pandemic, Ghostbusters was the only one that he actually enjoyed. Yeah. So, it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, will I showed Madison this movie too, like, uh, uh, and I had to skip past the whole like uh, ghost blowy thing. But other than that, like, <laughs> yeah, she liked the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is about this movie that appeals to kids. Like, no matter like whether you're showing them this in like eighty five, ninety five, or 2022 it just i don't know i think it's just the fact that it's kind of like it's meant to be like a spooky movie but it doesn't mm-hmm. scare the shit out of kids and it it's kind of like there's a few things in there that would make kids laugh yeah so i think that, that whole uh dynamic is why five nights at freddy's popular too mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like gory or adult it's still scary though and yeah, kids it, like that yeah, so it'd it kind of be enough to, like, scare them in the moment, but they're not going to bed, like, thinking, like, oh, fuck, Gozer's going to, like, yeah. pop out of mom and dad's room and, like, turn me into a stone dog. <laughs> or they're not going to be worried and sick about what happened to Lewis Tully, you know? Get chased down the street by a, a demon dog. Right. I will say I will add uh, an extra one to that. And it's not really a hot take. This should just be the fucking gospel that high C needs to make the ecto cooler drink available year round all the time, not bring it out of retirement like McDonald's does. Sorry, McDonald's, if you want to sponsor this, please, please forgive me for this. But like the McRib, they the McDonald's brings the McRib back every few years. Yeah. And I think the ecto cooler got retired until the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie came out. Mm-hmm. And they brought it back for a limited time and then they put it back in the vault. Just bring it out. Yeah. I mean, every every October. It doesn't even have to be all the time. Yeah, every October, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, bring it out every Halloween. I mean, it's not going to take too much of the shine away from the orange. Everyone loves the orange. It's still going to fucking, like, right. it's going to sell like hotcakes. Just bring back Ecto Cooler for a little bit. At least for us 80s kids. You know what I mean? Right. It'll sell. Yeah. High yeah. C. Make it happen. If anyone that works at the, the fine company of High C, make it happen. Fuck, pair it with uh, our hopefully soon to be sponsor McDonald's. Just make it available right. at McDonald's. They do the Cardi B. Awesome. They do the Cardi B meal. Just make fucking McDonald's bring you back the buckets with McBoo and the other characters like the the Happy Meal buckets. You yeah. can get a special Ecto Cooler drink. 
And a McRib. And a McRib, yeah. Like an adult, like they did the the adult Happy Meals, just making fucking the McRib, large fry, an ecto cooler, and put it in that uh, that uh, pumpkin bucket that they give you out every Halloween. Perfect. Look at that. See, McDonald's needs us. Yeah, and we need McDonald's. So hopefully, McDonald's we decides, decides to sponsor the hot off the skillet take for the hottest take of the movie. Um, last category is obviously our Hall of Fame, where we come up with uh, different original categories. And if there were a Couch Potato Podcast Hall of Fame, would this particular category get inducted? I have mentioned in the last uh, few episodes that uh, I do have Apple Pay, do have PayPal, do have Venmo. You will make the Couch Potato Podcast Hall of Fame a reality. We accept all forms of payment, send them our way, and we will do our best to make the Couch Potato Podcast Hall of Fame a real thing, a real building, where you can come and enjoy all kinds of movie pop culture references in a thick candy shell or whatever that is. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, original songs for a movie. I'm going to say yes. Ray Parker's yeah. Ghostbusters song, still, still, uh, what do the kids say? Still fucks. Awesome song. Listen yeah. to it no more than 15 minutes before I contact you to do this. I was like, that song's still fucking cool. It slaps hard, no cap. <laughs> Straight bussin', <laughs> no cap. I think you and I sounded like as white as humanly possible saying that. We were, you could tell we're fucking like middle-aged dads saying that. That would, that'd be something if we said that in front of our kids and their friends, like our kids would be embarrassed. Like dad, come on. <laughs> They'd have their head in their hands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Ghostbusters has to be up there with uh princess purple rain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, power of love by uh, Huey Lewis. For Back to the Future, which another fun fact I did not know, uh, producers contacted Huey Lewis to do music for Ghostbusters, but he turned them down because he mm. was doing stuff for Back to the Future. Yeah, how fucking I, wild! I is remember that? reading that. That is crazy. Yeah, and then like Kenny Loggins, uh, Danger Zone. I'm sure there's really cool stuff from the '90s, but I don't care. I'm in an '80s mood tonight, and we're just gonna run with the '80s stuff. Yeah. Um. This is kind of a kind of a, a yes or no answer, or you could just you have to pick one or the other. Uh, obviously, if we had a wing devoted to movie assholes, we mm-hmm. all know Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory will be there. Biff Tannen would be in there, uh, but if we were inducting William Atherton into the the movie asshole Hall of uh, wing of the Hall of Fame. Would he go in as Walter Peck or Dick Thornburg? Oh, Walter Peck for sure. Really? I say yeah. Dick Thornburg. Yeah, I, I guess he's trying to exploit the kids in uh, in Die Hard. It's it's a very it's a it's a good question because Dick Thornburg is responsible for a catastrophic event that could just completely destroy mankind as we know it. He shuts the Ghostbusters power grid down, releases all these ghosts into the yeah. into the world, almost causes a catastrophic catastrophic event. But on the other hand, Die Hard, he wants to get the first scoop. He goes to their house. He uh, 
obviously bugs the maid, and he finds yeah. out. And he, yeah, like I said, he exploits the kids. That's a pretty dickhead move when both parents are fighting for their lives in the Nakatomi Tower. Yeah, I would say that. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Holly's uh, coworker Ellis is a bigger dick in that movie, though. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so, he's got he's got he would split the diehard vote. Yeah, Ellis is a big yeah. movie asshole too. And as a matter of fact, I think I hate Ellis more than I hate Dick Thornburg. And that's saying something because Dick Thornburg fucking sucks in that movie. Yeah, he does. Okay, yeah. Then yeah, Walter Peck would get in then. That would be William yep. Atherton's like if uh like the baseball hall of fame, players always have like a cap of the team, one of the teams they played for, or the team that yeah. they're most known for. Yeah, his would be Ghostbusters, Walter Peck. And that's a good call. I never thought of that. Yeah, William Atherton goes in as Walter Peck. Ellis stealing some some of his heat and die hard. Yep. Trying to steal the woman and also steal the show. Mm-hmm. Um, ghost movies. Oh, for sure. Top, um, top three for me. Top three? At least. Um, yeah. I re- only reason I put this uh, on here is I was looking up ghost movies because I thought, oh, yeah, this is a surefire, a surefire mm-hmm. candidate for sure. But uh, there was some interesting. What, what, what would you consider a ghost movie? What What's the criteria? Anything like, with some... anything with paranormal. Anything? So yeah. even if there was like a ghost for a second. Well, I I, mm-hmm. I I guess a ghost movie would have to be uh, a paranormal being of some kind would have to be the main protagonist or antagonist of the movie or a featured. Okay. So it can't be like, okay. you know, like, I don't know, uh, like a, a cameo, like where I, I'm drawing a complete blank, but like if a ghost were to appear, like, like a celebrity ghost were to appear in a movie for like a second, like in a comedy. Okay. They use that stick. Then no, about? not not, but and and no Star Wars either. Because yeah, so yeah, you good, it's a good example. You can't use like Obi Wan Kenobi, right? So, just a few examples of ghost movies: The Shining. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Innocence. I've never heard of it. It's a 1961 movie. Sure, it's good because they have it number two. Uh, let's see. Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist, definitely. Yes. Uh, The Haunting, not the one with, uh, Liam Nillison, but, uh, the one made in 1963. Uh, The Changeling. That, that's Mm -hmm. a good movie. That's a fucking spooky movie. Yeah. Um, they have Ghostbusters on here. Uh, The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Um, Beetlejuice. I'm so disappointed Ghost hasn't come up yet. Oh, yeah, Ghost. Yeah, this list is kind of strange. Like, yeah, Ghost is like, was a fucking huge movie. Um, They have Field of Dreams on here. I don't know if I'd consider that. I mean, the a Ghost, I guess, there. is part of the, as- like, a big aspect of the movie. But, yeah, I don't think I would count Field of Dreams as a Ghost movie. I would count it more as a sports movie. Yeah. Uh, the Others, that's a that's a fucking good one, too. I don't know if it would be the iconic, though. Uh, a Christmas Carol. Yeah, that's a Ghost movie. 
Um, oh, shit. I'll put it more in the realm of Christmas, but yeah, they got ghosts in there. Uh, the Conjuring. Yep. Paranormal Activity isn't on there yeah, yet either. Yeah, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, Ghost is like 32 on this list. Uh, the Frighteners, that's a fucking awesome movie. Yep. But I don't think it makes the it's whole not thing, like, though. I know it's not like a uh, uh, widely liked movie, but I really like 1408. Yeah, that made it's the list, one. too. Is in uh, 42 on here. All right. But, yeah, so if we're putting in five, would, would Ghostbusters crack five? I would say yeah. Yeah, Ghostbusters, yeah. Because, I mean, it was the number one movie of 1984. It is uh, still culturally relevant, maybe not quite on the on par as it was back in the 80s, but still has some uh, pop culture weight. Yeah, um, that, staying power. Yeah, I'd say it would be... A Christmas Carol simply because it's like an iconic Christmas story. It's been remade fuck countless times. Even a real creepy yeah. Robert Zemeckis one. Um, yeah, I'd say it would have to be Ghostbusters, Poltergeist, obviously. That movie still creeps me out to this day. Um, mm-hmm. The Shining. Yep. Uh, Ghost, because Ghost was like huge. I think it was, yeah, I think Ghost was the number one movie in 1990. Got Whoopi Goldberg an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the sixth sense simply because like that's in one of the greatest movie years of all time. It's probably one of the most memorable movies from '99. So I would say those would be the five. I'm I'm gonna agree with you. Yeah, your your list is very similar to mine. I might flip flop a couple, but I'm just gonna agree with you because those are probably my picks as well. Yeah, and if you don't like the list, big whoop, fight me about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah I'd say those would be the like that would be the in, the inaugural class of ghost movies but yeah Ghostbusters definitely a Hall of Fame uh, ghost movie uh, what about mm-hmm. movie automobiles Ecto-1 oh, yeah. has to be on here yeah um, I remember as a kid uh, we had this uh, before we had our basement finished they uh, my my parents had a, a section of it uh, uh like kind of roped off for a uh, playroom and we had like the old McDonald's toys with the fry guys and grimace. And, uh, and we, we also had ghostbusters and I think they were the, um, the cartoony ones. Uh, but we had the Ecto one and the Ecto one was so cool. And uh, it, it did the, the siren and everything. And like, that's my first memory of like a cool car that I played with as a kid. My second would be Batman, but I got my Batmobiles like way after the fact when Batman Forever came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to say, yeah, Ecto One is definitely um, as it just out of pure nostalgia for me, anyways, in the Hall of Fame for this. Yeah, I think uh, there's more iconic cars from television shows versus movies, but yeah, I'd say it would have to be the Batmobile, Ecto One, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah, and then uh, sure, uh, Steve McQueen's Mustang from Bullet, and then mm-hmm. I would put uh, the Bandits. Is that a Firebird Thunderbird from Smoking the Bandit? Yeah, I think I think it's a Firebird. Yeah, well, th- those would be my five. I'm sure a couple people would bump 
the Bandit's car and Steve McQueen's off my list, but those would be my five. Yeah, I can't think of any uh, any other iconic movie vehicles. Um, yeah. I like the Smokey and the Bandit as well. Yeah. This last one here. Oh. A bit, oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you're good. I was just I was just trying to think of more vehicles, but no, I can't. I'm sure something will come to mind later on, but those are those that's my five. Last one, this is also you have to choose between one or the other. Okay. And I this is the best way I could phrase it, considering this is very short notice. Couldn't think of anything more clever off the top of my head. But who who smoked a cigarette without letting the ash hit the ground better? Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters or Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park? Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going to have to give it to Dan Aykroyd because, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I I don't quite remember. I've I've probably seen it more than Ghostbusters, but I don't quite remember uh, him doing the same thing in, in Jurassic Park. But Dan Aykroyd, would whip his head around a couple of different times in that scene. And that cigarette would be dangling super hard and it would, it would swing along with his head and it was perfect. It stayed pristine on his lip. So I'm going to have to give it to Dan Aykroyd. I'm going to go Samuel simply because like he's letting it burn and like it, it doesn't steady itself. It's always bouncing. Cause he's always trying to like, he's t- uh, mumbling to himself, like what part of the park he's trying to open. He can't open it. Yeah. So he's always talking, and the cigarette's bouncing every time. And so it's like it, there's not any any ounce of stabilization in that cigarette. It's always that's, it's always teetering. That's true. that's true. The head swing still gives it momentum to swing in the same direction, but Samuel L. Jackson talking makes it bounce in different directions. That, that's very so, true. Yeah, we'll give it to Ackroyd. But Sam, yeah. man, Sam's is holding on for dear life. <laughs> no, we're gonna have to come up with more movies where cigarettes dangle out of people's ma- mouth and uh, that ash is just sitting there. We're gonna have to see if there's another scene. We're gonna have to put them up against these two. Well, I thought of an episode idea on the fly, probably ha- happened later down the road. However, uh, we should come up with a movie ca- uh, episode sometimes, like. Uh, Best movie smokers of all time. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I know for one, like, De Niro in Midnight Run definite, mm-hmm. is a definite winner. And then the nurse from Halloween is a definite loser. She's just chain smoking, but doesn't make it look cool at all. So, episode no. I did sometime. The best smokers of all time. Uh, I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix does some pretty heavy smoking as the Joker, too. I tell you, you could smoke fucking yeah. cigarette. May look cool as uh, John Travolta in uh, Broken Arrow. Yeah, he would always have like this thing where he would like uh, he would lock the shoulder, and everything would just be from mm-hmm. the elbow down. Yeah, and I was like, man, like okay, I can see that. And then uh, Andrew Dice Clay in uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane also gets some run. Because he always had to like, always like pop the shoulders when he did it too. 
I think we've got an episode going there. Yeah, I think we I think we got a little bit of a stew going in the old pot there. Like some seasoning <laughs> on that on that bad boy. Let it marinate for a bit. All right. Well, that's uh, all I got for today. Uh, anything you want to add before we uh, wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, um, just uh, that this is uh, one of my uh, staples. You know, this is one of my go-tos um, for spooky season. Um, it's one of the ones that I like to uh, uh, share with the kids when they're old enough to appreciate it. And um, uh, it, it it scratches that paranormal itch. Kind of like uh, Men in Black in the '90s, you know. It just—it's that kind of um, funny, uh, paranormal, creepy uh, vibe. Um, you don't get a lot of those movies nowadays, and I really, really like it. And I'm glad that we got to do uh, do a podcast on it. Yeah, uh, and uh, this was one we've been circling for quite a while. I think this just was kind of like the best. Uh, time to do it outside of uh, next year when it celebrates. Fuck, Ghostbusters will be 40 years old next year. We might need to do a, a franchise podcast or something when we get when we get to that anniversary date. Or the, or the re-Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll know come, cross that bridge when we come to it. They are coming out with the sequel to Afterlife that's supposedly like icy or snowy or whatever. They released the um, the logo, uh, the Ghostbusters logo, all frozen. So as a teaser, so maybe they're uh, they're ramping up to do some kind of anniversary release for that. And we can uh, we can do something. With well, that. that was supposed to come out. I think it was supposed to come out this upcoming month, and it got pushed back because of the actors and writers' strike. So they moved it into yeah. next year, which kind of sucked because yeah. uh, there's still some good stuff coming out, but not quite as strong as it would have been yeah. normally. So I don't know. Um, well, that's going to wrap up today's episode. We do have a very special episode. We're going to drop probably, I'm guessing, probably Halloween night. Uh, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag now. Mm-hmm. Uh we're going to do Halloween, the 1978 John Carpenter classic. i uh, got a very special guest coming on, uh, a gentleman that has never been on our show before. Uh, he's uh, pretty excited to be on the show. Hopefully it doesn't ruin his reputation like it's done me and Adams. <laughs> but uh, that should be good. So uh, this one, and uh, you get a, an extra episode coming out next week. So that should be fun. Uh, Just be sure to follow us, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on any episodes. Uh, You can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, or whatever the fuck it's called this week, on Threads. I'm going to say it again. I need to do better on TikTok. I need to go through a tutorial. My son will probably have to show me how to edit videos. Uh, but all those links are in the show description. Uh, also email us, let us know your thoughts on the, what you've heard, show ideas, just random thoughts, whatever you want to talk to us about, shoot us an email, send us messages on the, the socials. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, we will talk to you guys later. <laughs>